Welcome to another episode of the Marriage Mentor Podcast with Eric and Jolene Engel, where Eric and Jolene answer marriage questions for believers, looking at the root of the problem instead of the symptom, always while applying God's wisdom and word for a Christ-centered marriage. Okay, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whatever it is for you, it's time for the Marriage Mentor Podcast. <laughs> I'm Eric Engel. And I'm Jolene Engel from JoleneEngel.com. <laughs> yes. And today we are in the series, The Foundations of a Biblical Marriage and Family. And if you were with us last week, we talked about the roles of a wife. Earlier in the series, we talked about the biblical role of a husband. And today we're kind of kind of talk about uh, the four actions and attitudes godly couples should pursue, but most don't. So you have his roles, her roles, and then these are mutual roles that a couple should pursue. Mutual. Mutual. Okay. And how many do we have? We got four. We oh, have four. So I try to keep it simple. You love you love the same amount of numbers for each one, and this. You, you know, and I didn't orchestrate that. I just dug into the Bible, and this is what I uncovered. Now, obviously, with the mutual roles, I'm sure that there's a lot more that I could go into, like speak kindly and, and so forth. Okay. But uh, well, these be- are the main ones that that a couple should be um, pursuing and implementing in their marriage. Well, this would be kind of cool because I haven't reviewed any of these. I have no idea <laughs> what you've put together. So I could throw another one in there, huh? You could throw Rub my feet? Is Wait. that in there? <laughs> hey, you know I'll throw some in there. Uh, it's naturally what I do is go down right. these rabbit trails, okay? So you have four actions and attitudes of godly couples. Godly couples should pursue, but <laughs> most don't. You like how I put that in there? Yeah, or most well, don't. And either they don't pursue it because they don't know it, or they don't pursue it because they're like, why bother? I don't want to lay down my life for him or her. I don't want to act like Jesus, even though I'm a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> I just came back from dinner, so I'm riled up. That's funny stuff. And okay. Boots. So the first one you have, uh, it says, cleave to one another. Yes. Genesis 2.24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. It does not say team. It was no- what? <laughs> Say that again? It does not say, and they become a team. A team. Because I'm oh, opening up right. a team I, again. I understand. <laughs> not a team or, what other terms do we hear? Wait. Fifty-fifty marriage or yeah, it's, what, what it's, other garbage? I don't know. It's one flesh. So one flesh. You got to cleave to one another, and that is the one flesh union. Obviously, more of that one flesh union takes place during the act of sexual intimacy, but there's an emotional cleaving, there's a physical cleaving, a spiritual cleaving. Uh, well, there's the emotional and spiritual oneness as right. well. Okay. Right. So let's take this piece by piece. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother. Okay. I mean, right there, we could have a whole podcast just on that one. I know. Because, because here's the problem is that when, and, and I talk to young couples about this, I say, look, when you take a wife or you marry a husband, uh, you create your own country. This is your country, okay? Right. It's, it's not an extended country of where you came from. Mm-hmm. You leave that country, your mother and father, you leave them, and you start your own country, 
your own kingdom or, well, not kingdom. Well, not kingdom. Yeah, but you understand, it's, it's a kingdom devoted to the Lord, right. but still, it's your own country. You set the boundaries, you set the rules, but you have to leave. Okay. Right. And the couple sits down and they talk about what are we going to do together? What are these boundaries going to look like? What is it that we want to pursue? What, how are we going to fashion our family? Or are we just going to keep listening to what mom and dad say to do? Okay. Well, and how many couples, and, uh, and I'm asking you listening right now or watching, how many times do your parents try to get in the middle of your marriage and say, oh, you should be doing this, or your husband's this, or your wife's this, or, or telling you how you should raise your kids or any of that stuff? Well, more, uh, more often than not. Yes, because I get those emails. And we have addressed, um, if you're new to this podcast, we are taking more of that preventative measure of laying down the foundation of a biblical marriage and family to help you know what you should be pursuing. You know, our earlier series was Proverbs for Couples, and it addressed stuff like communication, um, characteristics and virtues you should be um, growing in and developing so you you act more like Christ, you become more Christ-like in your marriage. Um, but for several episodes, the majority of our episodes, we're dealing with the problems. You know, my family's meddling in our marriage. His mother said this about me. And so it was, here's how you deal with that problem. Where today it's like, let's lay the correct foundation so you could have the correct boundaries so you know how your marriage should be from a biblical perspective. So therefore, a man shall leave his country and be joined to his wife to create their own country, and they shall become one flesh. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So that means come up with your own traditions for Christmas. You're, come up with your own ideas. Now, there's nothing wrong with adopting grandma's ideas if your husband's okay with it, or his mom's ideas if you're okay with it. But just to, to take up his mom's ideas because that's what his mom does, what she says... Does that work for the two of you? Well, okay, so let's look at it this way. You can have good relationships with other countries, right? right? But we're the United States here. No one tells us what to do, right? Just like in your family, you set up your own family, even if it's just you and your spouse, no one has the right to come in and tell you what to do, okay? The only ones that have the right to maybe admonish you are brothers and Christ, uh, b- brothers and sisters in the Lord that say, hey, because we have this relationship in the Lord, I want to talk to you about this, okay? But that is, that's a higher standard than just parents thinking that they can come in and tell you, or right, right. you turn around and running back to your parents uh, for advice or or anything else before you've spoken to your spouse about yeah, it. Yeah, you got to make that clear before you speak to your right. spouse. Right. Yeah, I'm not saying that you can't go to your dad and say, hey, you know, I, I want to figure out how to do this. But you better make sure that your spouse is on board with, with that. You airing before the you, dirty laundry. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because so, if you're airing the dirty laundry and the issues between you and your spouse, and you run back and tell your, your family that, you've severed the trust in the, in the relationship. So here are some of the stupid things I've heard. Blood is thicker than water. You ever heard that stupid saying? I've had that saying said to me. <laughs> of course I've heard it. <laughs> Another okay. time of my life. I, I mean, they're assuming that this is water between the two of us. Right. It isn't. We're one. Okay? So no blood... Of of extended family is thicker than our oneness, right? Ever, right. 
So you have to take a stance. You have to protect your marriage. Um, obviously, if you're the wife listening to this and the husband's not there and you feel like he gives all his loyalty to his mom, because some husbands do. Right. Well, she's my mom. She's my mom. Well, ask him what you could do to earn his loyalty to where he comes to you first. So you're that you're the first woman that he goes to. Right. I'd ask well, him that question. Not in an angry way, but just in a way of, hey, I kind of feel like I'm left on the sidelines here, you know, that your mom comes first. Or maybe it's the husband listening and he feels like his wife's always running off to her dad. Okay. So, okay? so those things happen in unintentionally. I would look to restore the relationship and figure out how can we fix that. So we we do move forward as one flesh. So I've heard this argument that, uh, well, you're supposed to honor your father, your father and mother, mm-hmm. right? The Bible says that. Right. Okay. Now, how do you reconcile that with the two becoming one flesh? And I think you have to go back to the beginning of how God set it up and the order he set it up in. Okay. First, it was relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Adam was created and walked with God, Right. right? That's our relationship to the Lord. That's that's the church, the relationship to the Lord. Second relationship was bringing him a helper, a wife. Okay, it wasn't bringing him a mother uh, or a father. God sh- certainly could have created someone and said, "Hey, here's your mom and dad." Right. But he didn't. Here's your wife. Well, and I think sometimes maybe some believers could get caught up in the scriptures say, "Children obey your parents." Children obey. Okay, because we're still raising them. Honor your parents is not the same as obey your parents. Right. Okay. You could still be honoring and being respectful, but not agreeing to their position. Right. Because there's I'm not called to obey my parents anymore because I'm no longer a child. There's a difference there. Right. And there's an order to things. Right. Right. So hopefully that little... Just that little twist on children are called to obey their parents because they're still being raised up. And as adults, we're to honor, but that doesn't mean that the parents get to decide how we run our our family and our marriage and make um, decisions and dictate how we are you know, coming together as one flesh. So you could be respectful without agreeing. So just a, a quick little test. You ask your spouse if... You ask them if they feel like you put either one of your parents or your extended family before them. Ooh, ouch. Yeah, but that's a great that's a great litmus test. I mean, whether you believe it's true or not, if they say, yeah, I feel like you kind of put your mom before me or you kind of put your dad before me, and or then that, and that in itself is enough. That's enough right, of a right. test to right. say, I'm out of order. Right, right. And so this is not the podcast to fix that order. Okay, but it is the one to uh, make sure that you're trying to pursue these actions and attitudes. It is part of having that biblical marriage. Cleaving to one another is by God's design. So you can't, I cannot expect you to understand me, dwell with me with understanding, and, and for you to love me like Christ loved the church if I'm putting others before you. Right. That's a very tall order. Okay. And vice versa. So your actions and attitudes are really important. And sometimes we neglect them because we don't want to make mom unhappy or dad unhappy or grandma or or someone else. So that's number one, cleave to one another. Number two. Want to go for it? Forgive one another. There's a lot to be said on forgiveness in the Bible. 
and uh, a lot to be said the whole thing is based on <laughs> forgiveness i mean that's that's the whole thing right right um we have a we follow a god who is a forgiving god and we're to emulate him so mark 11 25 26 says and whenever you stand praying if you have anything against anyone spouse insert spouse forgive him that your father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses but if you do not forgive neither will your father in heaven forgive your trespasses okay and that's that was mark and luke 17 3 4 take heed to yourselves if your brother sins against you rebuke him and if he repents forgive him and if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying i repent you shall forgive him those are just a few verses there's a ton more there's right. a ton more. So I could already hear the woman who says, what if he doesn't repent? What do I do? Okay. What is she referring to? What uh, If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. So right. let's let's address that. How well does and, rebuking and, go over in marriage? And if if he repents, okay, well. There's two part there. Right, right. There's two parts. Okay, well, we'll This might we'll be a two part, part series just because forgiveness is huge. And, and unfortunately, I meet Christian couples they don't walk in forgiveness. They, that, that's like a requirement for being a Christian is to be forgiving. In, right. in my mind, right. that's how I see it. Right. Absolutely. So I know well, I'm going to blow it and you're going to blow it. But it says, for some reason, it says neither will your father in heaven forgive your trespasses. So let me ask you a quick question. If God does not forgive us, where do we end up? Oh, well, we end up in hell. I mean, that's right. I mean, I mean, do you understand the gravity of that, of that verse? It, you know, Jesus came to forgive us, but it says if we don't forgive others, he's not forgiven us. Right, right. Okay? So, and without that forgiveness, we cannot enter into, into heaven uh, without blemish or without spot. We, we have blemishes if he's not forgiven us, right, which means right. that we can't enter in. Right. Okay, we'll continue in a moment. But first, if you're self-employed, own a company, or work for a company that would like to grow their business, this message is for you. Hi, this is Eric, and you may know that I'm a sales and marketing consultant. I fix defective marketing and grow businesses and have developed a scientific marketing process called the Total Dominance Marketing Program that allows you to double your business in a year or less. This process uses brain science to connect with your prospect in a way that forces them to pay attention to your marketing and advertising message and come to this one simple conclusion. I would have to be insane to do business with anyone else but you, regardless of price. This is a physical CD program that we normally charge $197 for, but I am willing to give you a copy for free. All you need to do is pay $6 for shipping and I will send it to you right away. To check it out and get your free marketing program, just go to freecd.info. Not .com, but .info. That's freecd.info. Because someone is going to dominate. The only question is, will it be you? Unfortunately, we can only make this offer to residents in the United States. So let's get back to the conversation. Right. I mean, forgiveness is... For a Christian, to me, it's like breathing. <laughs> you have to extend that. And so how does one do that? And I know that there's women wrestling with the hurtful words that the husband has done or the hurtful actions. We've addressed 
podcast and how do I forgive him when he said, said these horrible words or done these horrible things. Forgiveness is an act of the will. It's not a feeling. Did you catch that? You know, virtually everything we're talking about <laughs> is an act. It's, okay. it's a willful choice to say, you dirtbag, you hurt my feelings. <laughs> Because that's what we're feeling on the inside. On right. the inside, it's like, I'd like to take out a knife and like, or right. a hammer and hit you with it. So let me ask you a question. Let's say that, uh, let's say that I don't repent. Mm-hmm. Okay. Does that mean you can't forgive me? I can forgive you all day long, but that's on you. Right. So what does that do? I mean, who does, who does forgiveness really work for? It works for the one who has been hurt. It worked right. Right. Okay. Now I, the I've only difference. Hurt. I've been offended. So it's my job. It is my job. You have offended me. So it's my job to say, Hey, you hurt, you, you hurt my feelings. It's really interesting because between us and the Lord, him forgiving us is to our benefit. Right. But between each other, us forgiving others is to our benefit. Right. Not it's, being on the receiving end of being forgiven. Right. Right. You know, and I, there are people in my life that have hurt me and it's just like, well, I can't change them. I can't change their heart. I have to be able to be at peace with where they're at. I'm saddened by it, but I can't let their actions or unforgiveness destroy me. Right. Okay. And, and if you don't forgive, that's exactly what happens. Right. It eats at you it because does. we know people. Uh, even family members that have not forgiven right. and it actually physically affected them and mentally affected them. Mm -hmm. So forgiveness is huge. It's a daily thing. He's going to blow it daily. I'm going to blow it daily. It, it, it's a prerequisite to the biblical marriage but, is forgiveness. Forgive one another because you know it's not, not if he sins or if she sins or if I sin. It's when. When I, right. by the way, when I offend you, it'll probably be before we go to bed tonight. There will be an offense at some point that it's just like, that's where the forgiveness comes. That's where sometimes we're spiritually naive into thinking that the other party's not going to hurt you. Well, and here's what's interesting. This is how Satan binds us up. Okay. If I offend you, okay, I am, I am in essence wrapping you up with chains. Okay. And your only way to get out of that is to forgive me. Mm, that's a good point, yeah. And if you don't forgive me, you're giving way to the enemy and, and you're in bondage at that point. Right. So it's the, an emotional bondage. Right. That why would you want to wear that straight jacket? So the ability to forgive people is the ability to walk free. And it's nice. It's not easy. It's not easy. But, you know, I mean, there, there are people that I'm praying for that I don't want to pray for. Because that's the only way for me to break through the bitterness. Right. That's I, just like, I don't want to pray for that woman. You know, I watch these shows on TV, these investigative shows where someone's been murdered and such. And there's, there's many times where people say, I've forgiven them. Okay. Because they get it that otherwise they're going to be in bondage the rest of their life bound up with this wrong that right. someone has done to them. And there are others that say, I'll never forgive them. And, and even though... You've, I feel for them and I understand how they feel. You know that they've been wrapped up in chains and they're just going, they're just sinking. Yeah. And they, if they don't forgive, they can't do anything about this, this pain that's going to control them for the rest of their life. Right, right. I mean, it's forgiveness just needs to be part of your, your vocabulary as 
as a married couple, whether he's a believer, barely believing, or an unbeliever, it's it's got to be there because that's forgiveness is the essence of Jesus. So can you forgive me, but not put yourself in a situation so you're protected? Oh, absolutely. And forgiving is not the same as forgetting. Okay. So that's another component there that there could be deep, deep wounds in a marriage that you're having a hard time trusting. I might be having a hard time trusting to go down that path again because it's like, oh, I got hurt that last time. Well, forgiving is not the same as trusting. It's not the same. So forgiveness, I don't know. I just kind of would just work on forgiveness. And if I had an issue with forgetting something, I I keep running back to the scripture. Right, but if you want to run free, I mean, if you just want to run and be completely free, learn how to forgive. Right, right. So, yeah, it's a lot easier to say. It's a lot harder to to put into practice. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the work of prayer. It's a work of you sitting with, with Jesus and realizing, you know, one of the things you could do if you're having a hard time forgiving your spouse or someone is write a list of all your sins. If I wrote a list of all my sins, and then I look at the fact that Jesus hung on the cross for my sins, my heart becomes pliable for, for the Holy Spirit to move in it. Well, and, then, right. and then I could release really that forgiveness. I could freely give that forgiveness because I have, I have a deeper spiritual understanding of what God's done for me. Well, that's exactly what Jesus did when they brought the adulterous woman. Mm-hmm. Okay. He said, those without sin cast the first stone. Right. You know, and all of a sudden they're realizing, hey, you know what? If if I can be forgiven, then I can't throw the stone at this gal. Right. So before we move on to the next one, because I'm sure there is a listener or viewer out there who has a spouse who has a very hard heart towards them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Pray for the Lord to soften your spouse's heart. And you may have asked for forgiveness until you're blue in the face and that person won't forgive you. Okay. Because you can't force a person to forgive you. I I can't, I I could say all day long, will you forgive me? And all day long, you could say no. Okay. Or they could say, yeah, I forgive you. But then they, they bring up that grudge three seconds later. Okay. Which is not wise. We talked about that in the Proverbs for couples in the communication one. But if you have a spouse with a hard heart, pray and ask God to soften it. Okay. And in time, hopefully with the work of the Holy Spirit, your spouse's heart would soften, but be that spouse, be that wife or that husband who imitates Jesus as much as possible. That was a huge thing on my list when I was looking for you is to have, have a wife who was forgiving. That was huge because if you're forgiving, you free us both. Okay. Well, and, and your marriage starts new every single day. Right. You get a do-over every single day. That's right. just like every marriage needs a do-over. I mean, it's, it's Groundhog Day, the opportunity to right. do it right, right. every right. day. Right. Okay. okay. So first one is cleave to one another. Second one is forgive one another. Third one. Go ahead. Favorite one of mine, have sex with one another. First Corinthians 7, 5, do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So sex with one another, easy, easy, easy to do when you're newly married and no kids. Right. <laughs> or, or easy to want to do when you're not married. 
Oh, isn't that isn't that so interesting that when you're when you're not married, it's like oh I I I can't wait you know this is something and then couples get married and after a while they're just like yeah whatever yeah whatever you know tired what's on TV tonight I've had a long day and half the time it's not even occurring to a woman the whole sexual act is not something that's crossing our mind um, as we're managing multiple things in in our world whether it's the kids it's a job it's the home the last thing that's ever occurring to us is so this is interesting do not deprive one another except with consent for a time so that means only with permission from the other person number one and number two if it is with permission it's for a short period of time and number three it's if you're spending time with the lord right i mean is, is that interesting uh, only with consent, only for a short time, and only if you're spending time with the Lord. Otherwise, none of that applies. Right, right. So I'm going to address the wife in this. If you have withheld sex and you wonder why your guy's not nice, you wonder why you're always arguing, okay, that is a huge reason right there because sex has been withheld. You have become the gatekeeper of whether or not you guys have sex. And if you've taken on that role, my encouragement to you would be, okay, let's not do that anymore. Come back together. You can't expect your guy to come knocking on your door again if you've kept closing it. So you have, for whatever reason, you've taken charge over the keys to the sexual kingdom. And you've said, you, you can't come in, okay? So if you wanna change your marriage, you have to be the one now who invites him in. Okay. Let me in. Okay, because you, you, you've been the one who has shut him out. And he doesn't know what to do with that. He's tried all these different angles to get you to have sex with him. You have to be the one who now invites him in, which is very difficult for a wife to do because there's she has to show humility okay. in that. So husbands, when your wife does that, be don't, good. Be don't good. be a jerk. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> you, you had to get that out. I was going to say, husbands, be a good lover, meaning be considerate, okay? How many times do we hear the wives say, all right, just does his business, and then, he, then he's done, you know, and there's no consideration for, for me. Right. There, there's, there's many, many reasons why a wife doesn't want to have sex with her husband. Um, my most Googled post is 20 reasons why a wife doesn't want to have sex with her husband, and not all of it is because of the husband, there are other issues right. there. So, um, but the point is, if you can help it, have sex with one another. Right. Plan it. Plan it. Like you plan a doctor's appointment. <laughs> right. Oh, but that's not spontaneous. <laughs> no. Spontaneity, I think, leaves the marriage when the kids show up. A lot it's, of times. It, it's, it's hard to sure. fit it back into the marriage. Sure. And so a lot of times you have to be very planned and, and deliberate about whatever you do in your marriage. Yes, so that's why I have it here because if you're not having sex in your marriage, then you have your co-parents and you have a platonic marriage. And that's that will not produce the type of love and sweet marriage that a wife is looking for, although she doesn't realize that how the marriage could change, where could he she could have that softer, tender husband, one that's more attentive, one that's dwelling with her with understanding, is it, it does happen in the marriage bed. Now, there are some husbands that... They are just downright fools. 
you know, that they, they don't have any concern for the wives. And I have to bring that up because I know the emails. I know the emails from the wives who they are great wives, but their husbands, they are, they're, they're bad husbands. There are some out there, just like there's bad wives out there. Once in a while. Yeah, once in a while. But we're going to assume that you've got a great guy and that life has consumed you, trials have consumed you, and emotional intimacy is not there. The arguments have happened and now there's no physical intimacy and, and now you're you're just going through life in in as paralleling each other, but you're missing out on that connectedness. So if you usher sex back in, and that might be you sending a text to your husband, hey, how about tonight? Or how about tomorrow night? And he might be like, wait, what? Because it's so far out of his norm that he probably wouldn't even know how to handle that. It would shock him. Right. Send him a text that just says sex tonight. (laughs) So those are some things you could do. I also know that there are some wives who are starving sexually because the, the husbands aren't pursuing them. And I haven't written anything on on as to why the the common things are he's into porn. I thought you have. Mm, a long time ago I did, but not a whole lot. And there's not a big, big search for why my husband doesn't want to have sex with me. Okay. The big search is why does my wife not want to have sex with me? Okay. So if you're in that, I think it's about a third of the wives out there. There's about a third um, of the wives who wish their husbands would pursue that side. That is for you to have conversations with well, your husband and, and kind of find out what's going on. What a great way to win your husband is say, hey, anytime, anywhere. Right. Within reason. Right. You know. Right. And, and the guy would be like, what? Yeah. I'm your gal. Right. So that was number three. You want to take four? Number four. Consider one another. Ephesians 5.21. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. And Hebrews 10, 24, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. I think the consider one another is one that often gets overlooked. People don't understand it because here's in marriages, we see that people are saying we're seeing the tit for tat marriage. Yes. Well, I'll, I'll let you do this if you let me do that. Are all, you know, it's, it's like you can go out with your buddies if I can go buy new shoes, okay? Or dumb yeah, stuff become, like that. You have a negotiated marriage. Right. Thing. Negotiated marriage, which is, you know, separate, com- se- separate countries negotiate with each other. The same country doesn't negotiate with itself. No. I mean, isn't that, that's a great point. That's a great point. I'm going to say that again. I mean, think about that. <laughs> well, I was that. thinking of the United Nations, and it's just like, so what are you now? I mean, it's, it's the marital yeah, but, nations but, here. But, but think about it. If you are one, then obviously you consider one another because you act like one. You are one. If you're separate, like separate countries, then you have to negotiate getting along. Right. right, and if you find yourself negotiating, getting along, then you need to take a hard look at your marriage and, and realize it's not where it should be to begin. Well, they're with. lacking that unity, <clears throat> right? And that unity is a lot of that leaving and cleaving, and the unity is not that we we think alike; it's that we're moving in the same direction together because we are one country. <clears throat> right, right. So. If you're constantly at odds because of self-centered ways and he gets more freedom than what you get and marriage doesn't seem fair, I'd have some conversations about how can we build more unity in the marriage. And 
Obviously, if you're the one listening to this podcast or this video, be that first one to be considerate because a considerate Christian looks like Jesus. Right. Well, a considerate, a considerate marriage says, how can I, how can I give you what you need rather than how can I get what I want? Right. Right. Excellent point. Because we're always dealing with our flesh and the bottom line is let's let's try and pursue a relationship that glorifies god and looks like it's a representation between christ and the church that's what it comes down to right so those are my thoughts they're excellent excellent thoughts i'm jolene engel at jolene i'm eric engel and you can find me at eric and until next time